Welcome back to First in Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Make sure you download, subscribe, stream this show on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts and check it out on YouTube as well. Let's get into it, man. First in Foxborough's Mock Draft 2.0 special episode today coming on the heels of the NFL Combine this past weekend. A lot of really interesting prospects showed out, improved their draft stop. Some people have fell a little bit, but just in general changes some opinions about how the Patriots can and should attack this draft. I know for me, based on the first mock draft I did, which was a three-rounder that I did a month ago, I think a lot of stuff has changed in terms of how I would attack this. I went all the way through seven rounds this time. No trades just yet. We're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I think the first mock that I'm going to do where I, I build in some trades is going to be the one that I do next, which will be after the initial rush of free agency. So but th- that next week after you know free agency legal tampering and the new league year begins, after we get an idea of who the Patriots can sign, what they end up doing from that standpoint, I think it's going to be real. We could see something completely different. I'm expecting to see some completely different things in terms of how I would approach it, the needs the Patriots are going to have, what they've addressed, what they haven't done enough for. But let's get into this round of mock drafts. I got some people coming at me about, why did you pick a wide receiver at number 14? It's got to be an offensive tackle, or it's got to be a cornerback. It's got to be this. And I booked that trend last time, and I did it again in this round, but for a different man. So instead of Zay Flowers, I'm going with Jackson Smith and Jigba. It should be no surprise to anybody who watched that dude's workout this past weekend. It was an absolute clinic. Then you throw in the fact that not not just the on-field workouts, but the three-cone, the agility drills that he did are like 99th percentile. They are upper limit stuff. You can talk about the fact that, oh, he didn't run the 40 because he's only going to run like a 4-6-40. I don't care. I don't care at all. I If he, if he runs a 4-4, or, or if he run, rather he runs a, a 4-6 at his pro day coming up at Ohio State, not going to change anything for me. Will not care. He's the best route runner, best overall receiver in this draft class. I don't care if he's mainly going to be a slot guy at the next level. He is, he's, he's just so good. He's just going to produce for you. It's simple as that. You're not going to have any questions about his play speed, his intelligence, his hands, his ability to separate, his ability to just catch the football. I mean, I, I saw a stat from Mina Kimes of ESPN where she said he caught 92% of his catchable targets in 2021. That's wild. He's just going to get open. He's going to find a way to catch the damn football. It's as simple as that. And I think that one thing that stands out to me is that you always hear people saying, oh, yeah, you got to find your Julian Edelman. You got to find your your binky, the slot receiver, the guy who's always going to get open, the guy who's going to make a play for you. But, well, I don't mean drafting that guy in the first round. Just get him later like you did with Edelman, as if guys like Edelman just grow on trees. And you're just always going to be able to find that diamond in the rough or, or Jacoby Myers. And you're going to find him undrafted and you're just going to turn him into this thing that is going to this machine that's going to produce for you. At some point, you got to spend real draft capital to get good 
football players, Jackson Smith and Jigba, just to me fits what the Patriots want at wide receiver too perfectly to ignore. I mean, the, the quickness, the route running, the hands, all of it. Okay, he's going to come in and he's going to produce for you right away. If there's any receiver that you could say that about, it's him. I really like Zay Flowers. I think that he's probably, he helped his draft stock by running that 4-4 that he put up at the Combine. I think Quentin Johnson, he's going to be your your size, speed, weight ratio, the high upside guy. And I think that, you know, you could make an argument that the Patriots should target somebody like that, who's going to be more of a true ex-receiver type but got questions about his hands. If he can't catch the football, what good is he, right? Great, you can go run down the field, you can jump over people, wonderful. But if you can't catch the football, none of it matters. Jackson Smith and Jigba, you can just plug him in and play. And quite honestly, I feel like if you were to, if if Jacoby Myers leaves in free agency and you draft Jackson Smith and Jigba and put him in this receiver room with Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton, it might take about half the season until we're saying, yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba's the best wide receiver on the football team. That's what I think is going to happen. I feel like there, there are maybe like two players that if they are available at number 14, that I would take them over Jackson Smith and Jigba. If it's, if it's a tackle, maybe Paris Johnson Jr. just because of the just wild physical tools and upside that he has as a left tackle of the future. But then again, look, you could have questions about experience with all of these tackles in the the, the top three tackles. And then you have questions about Peter Skaronsky as good as he is as good as, as well as he can just straight up block. You have questions about whether or not he's a guard at the next level. Can he play to get, does he have high upside as a tackle? And to be honest, I just don't know that with any of these players, any of those tackles that I feel like you absolutely have to take them over everybody else. Just don't think I see it. And then I would take Devin Witherspoon over Jackson Smith and Jigba because he's awesome. I feel like if he falls, you, you got to do that, but anybody else, you know, Christian Gonzalez, good player at corner, Roderick Jones, good player at tackle. Lucas Van Ness, good player at edge. I'm taking Jackson Smith and Jigba, man. He's the best football player out of any of them. And honestly, if he had come out in 2021, he's a top 10 pick, and we're not even having this discussion. And you'll be lucky if he's not a top 10 pick in this one. As a matter of fact, if he falls to 14, that's a steal. Do it. Run away and hide. Don't think twice about it. Now, I just talked about some tackles. And some of the questions I had about the value of the first round tackles. Again, I, I would not be mad at taking any of those guys number 14. I think that that would knock a couple of things out for you. But you know what? Say you don't even have to do that. Say you go ahead and you get Orlando Brown or one of these right tackles or, or what have you. You fill that need in free agency. Well, then you don't necessarily have to go ahead and draft a tackle at number 14 even though that's a spot that I think the Patriots would typically do that because you can get guys like Darnell Wright potentially in round two. Now, I think personally that the pro football focus simulator I use to put this draft together is too low on Darnell Wright. I think he's a high back end of the, I think he's a back end of the first round, high second round type of guy. So I don't know if you get him at pick number 46, but that's where I ended up taking him for my mock draft. So 
this guy to me is is just the most perfect. He's a better fit to me, maybe even than any of those guys at the at the top in the first round. Especially if you're talking about putting him at right tackle, he's perfect. Imagine putting him next to Michael Onwenu. The gap scheme runs that they could pull off, the movement they'd get off the line of scrimmage would be insane. His power in in short area just blasts people off the ball in the run game. He's got better movement skills than you would think for a guy who's 6'6", 335 pounds, which is what he tipped the scales at at the combine. And again, the, the quickness and ability to short pass set and get out there against elite edge talent like Will Anderson from Alabama. He had that guy on the side of a milk carton. You could not find the guy who, honestly, if in, in any other draft, he might be the number one overall pick. And Darno Wright had him in hell, locked him up. That's the kind of player that you could have, and you could get him in the second round. Don't even trip about not getting a first-round tackle if you can get a guy like this. Now, again, I feel like it would be a bit of a steal and you might have to move up, honestly, to get that kind of guy. But to me, you also got to look at the experience factor. All three of those guys that everybody really wants, they've been in college for three years. And yeah, they've got varying amounts of starting experience. Darnell Wright, he's a senior. He balled out at the senior bowl. He's been proving himself repeatedly against really good competition. I feel like you would be, you would have to be ecstatic to me to get Darnell Wright in the second round, plug him in at right tackle. And if you want to keep Trent Brown on the left or you get Orlando Brown, or you get one of these other guys in free agency. I feel like you are cooking with gas with your offensive line and you ain't got to worry about it. As long as Darnell Wright's down there doing his thing. Next on the list, I got us a tight end, tight end of the future. And wouldn't you have it? He's from Iowa draft, Iowa tight ends. They get it done. George Kittle, Dallas Clark back in the day. That's a little bit of a throwback name for you. TJ Hawkinson, somebody who's a little bit more recent. To me, Sam Laporta could be that kind of guy. Maybe not necessarily the, the freakishness of George Kittle where you're coming out and you're just like, oh my God, that guy is incredible. And maybe not necessarily the best run blocking tight end that you could have. But as, as a receiver, he's just solid and smooth. You know what I thought of? is that he kind of combines the best qualities of Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Elite movement skills and athleticism for the position. He ran a 4-5-9-40, a three-cone that Bill Belichick would have been proud of for a receiver, let alone a tight end. I mean, this guy this guy can move. And then you throw in the fact that he's, he's smart, he can find space, he just makes himself available for quarterbacks in just a, a very non-flashy but very dependable way, like Hunter Henry would do. But then when you get the football in his hands, he is a mad bull. He just drags people, creates yards after contact, and, and just keeps the chains moving. I think that taking a chance on that kind of athleticism, that kind of player in the third round, especially when you take into account the, the missed opportunities, it feels like, with Hunter Henry and John Smith. The fact that you have not gotten the kind of value that you hoped for out of those contracts, and then you can go ahead and get this guy in round three. He can come in and produce probably right away. Like, say, if you, you kept Hunter Henry this year, were able to cut John U. Smith with a post-June 1st designation, or you traded him, or what have you, and then you could throw in Sam Laporta, that guy's going to come in, he's going to do things for you 
right away. I would love that for the Patriots. And I think that y'all would be loving it for the foreseeable future. Now, haven't talked about corners yet. Corners are an important position in this in this draft for the Patriots, especially if you lose Jonathan Jones. And I think you also got to get some size, right? That's one thing that we continually noted about the Patriots last year. They, they were fine at corner by and large, not elite, but fine. But they were they were really small out there, both in terms of weight and just overall height. Get somebody like Jalen Jones, which I did with the, one of the Patriots' fourth-round picks, which I don't know that he's going to be there in the fourth round in real life. But again, just, just the kind of player. If you can get a guy like him, that is a big corner with some with some upside because of the way that he can move. He's 6'2", 200 pounds, somebody that defense, offense has really stayed away from. He only had 19 targets against him in 2022. Teams knew what he was about, but he also has good short area quickness and explosiveness and combine that with the size. If you're running downfield against him and he's side by side with you, I mean, he's like out here just nudging people out of bounds. They're not even in the play. And I think that he has some ability to drive on the football and stick with receivers down the field. I think some of the footwork stuff, he's got some concerns there in terms of really just mirroring routes and being completely sticky without relying on his size. And he doesn't necessarily have elite length either. But again, if you're just talking about somebody like you want to play press coverage, he's got press coverage potential or cover three and just be like, you know what? Drive on the football, take away the deep part of the field. He could be good at that right away. And again, when you're talking about size, you want to put him up against these bigger receivers that the Patriots continually have trouble with. I think that he's somebody that you could grow with on this defense. And maybe he could be that guy that eventually defenses or rather opposing offenses are going to stay away from because he could be that good. I also went ahead and I grabbed later on down in the sixth round, Starling Thomas, the fifth of University of Alabama, Birmingham, went down to the Senior Bowl and was matching up against Zay Flowers. He was one of the, the better cornerbacks down there who really showed coaching staff something. And as you recall, the Patriots were down there. I, I would expect that he's going to be somebody they're looking at later on in the draft. He has wild speed. He didn't get invited to the Combine, but if he had, he might have had an outside shot at the combine record. He's got real track speed. I'm talking 10-4 in the 100 kind of stuff. I've seen him just just ridiculously like hawk somebody down near the goal line where he he had probably about 10-15 yards to make up and he still caught that dude at the end. I don't know if he got him before he got in the end zone, but the speed was fun to watch. Great recovery speed if and when he gets beat. And also solid size. He's about six foot, 194 pounds. Those are building blocks that you can work with as a corner. And then you could also talk about special teams value, especially later on in the draft. Put him as a gunner. Get him on Get him on the field in special teams. Watch him go fly down there and, and go take care of business. I, I love what the Patriots have been doing in recent drafts in terms of getting special teams contributors with their rookie class. You look at Brendan Schooler last year, what he was able to do. Pierre Strong quietly had a really good year as a as a special teams tackler. He had some issues in, in other areas, but 
I think that as a tackler, he did pretty well. You go ahead and get Starling Thomas. He'll contribute right away on special teams. And you can see what he's got later on in terms of being a, a guy who can match up with ultra fast wide receivers like Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, guys like that. Next, I had to get us some running backs, man. Quietly, that's a position that I think the Patriots just they need to address because yeah, you got Ramondre Stevenson. He's your number one. He's going into his third year. You still got to wonder what his future is going to be looking like because I think he's the best player on offense that they have right now. But do you pay running backs, right? Do you want to pay a running back down the line? Is is his extension going to be something that the Patriots look on like, eh, we'd rather just go with a young kid? That said, even if you want to do that, you got to look at the depth behind Ramondre Stevenson right now and say, that's a bit of a problem. Maybe you could see Pierre Strong or Kevin Harris growing into something with a little bit more time. Of course, it's feasible, but they weren't really able to get on the field last year, and they did fine in, in their limited opportunity, but I still think that's a position that you want to upgrade if you can. So I did with Auburn's Tank Bigsby in the four, in the fifth round, actually. I got him in the fifth round. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does, yes. Sign me up for that, please, and thank you. Tank Bigsby is one of the more complete backs you're going to see in this class. He can pass, protect, catch the ball, run routes, and his his shiftiness and burst. Again, he's he's got sneaky speed. I don't know if he necessarily has a thousand percent home run speed like the other running back that I got later on in this draft, but he can absolutely rip off big plays for you. And he creates so well, his blocking was horrible at Auburn and you could still see him churning out big runs, creating yards out of nothing. Kind of sounds like a Patriots running back that they had last year who had to do the same thing way too often in Ramondre Stevenson. I think that if you drafted tank Bigsby, he's immediately going to be your, your number two running back, unless you add a veteran that is going to come in and do that. And I think Bigsby could come in and be potentially that third round back that you've been looking for since you lost James White, not to say that Ramondre Stevenson can't be a three down back himself. I mean, he really proved that he could be last year, but again, you don't want to wear the guy down. If you have Tank Bigsby, he could fill that role for you. And I feel like he might be able to fill it sooner because of his ability to pass protect. His, the willingness is there. He's got the physicality and the size to do it. I would love that pick for the Patriots. Hinted at another running back that I took. Keaton Mitchell out of Eastern Carolina. That dude can flat out fly. I mean, you think about East, East Carolina – that's the same place that you got Chris Johnson out of, the former Titans guy who ran wrote a 4-2-4. Mitchell didn't run quite that fast, but it was still pretty fast. He ran 4-3-7. And especially the acceleration in, in just in the beginning. That is an elite, as a matter of fact, the best 10-yard split, I think, of anybody at the Combine this year. 1.48 seconds. This guy just, just hits the gas and floors it. And... His second gear is crazy too. I mean, once he once he gets going, it's not even just the fact that that he can get it going fast. He can keep on going. His speed is crazy. And again, he can do it out of the backfield as a pass catcher. He could do it in you know outside zone runs. He he's one of those guys who has to learn how to hit it north and south. He kind of tries to dance a little bit 
and and tries to get outside too much because he knows he's got that speed. Train him to go north and south that way. And when he gets going that way, he does it better than just about anybody in this draft. He is a real home run hitter. I, I know I love Devin A. Chain. I think that if you were to get him, if you were to get Mitchell later on in the draft, I'm not saying you would be as good as A-Chain, but that is a similar level of speed and home run hitting ability. And again, somebody that you could use on special teams. And again, kick returns are getting phased out a little bit in today's NFL, but you really didn't have somebody that you loved as a kick returner. Mitchell was a hell of a kick returner in, in the in the amount of time that they used him. I think he had like 12 kick returns and he took four of them for 25 plus yards. Again, just just major speed right there. And a little bit of a of a gadgety kind of player that maybe you could look at turning him into a slot receiver, right? People are talking about doing that with Marcus Jones, right? Oh yeah, let's go ahead and turn Marcus Jones into receiver. If you get Keaton Mitchell, you ain't got to worry about making Marcus Jones a receiver. You could just have that guy do it. And he would be a hell of a weapon that this team could utilize. Just more explosiveness, more, more, more. Especially if you're if you're not going to have the elite outside X wide receiver, you're not going to trade for a T Higgins or something like that. If you could go ahead and play around with the idea of getting this guy the ball in a number of facets, like I think about Tariq Cohen from the Chicago Bears, or or like a Darren Spro- Darren Sproles from back in the day, Mitchell could be that kind of guy and have a huge impact. Last but not least, one of my favorite things from this draft was building up the middle a little bit on defense, particularly with the defensive line and edge. I also threw a little linebacker in there, but I loved being able to grab Carl Brooks in the fourth round. And and this guy, again, might be a third round pick or, you know, probably a fourth round pick probably sounds about right. Like a, like a high day three, I think for, for Carl Brooks, he did not get invited to the combine, but he was showing out at the senior bowl. He was out there clubbing people into the next dimension. And I think what's interesting about him is that he played edge primarily in college, but he's weighing in at 300 pounds. Now he's got the twitch athleticism burst to play outside but it's also making him a mitch a mismatch problem on the inside as well. You could see he was just too quick and violent and explosive for a lot of those guards and centers to handle down there at Mobile when you put him at a three technique. And I look at somebody like a Dietrich Wise, which Brooks is bigger than Wise, and the ability to put him inside and out potentially, where you could play around with putting Brooks on the outside on early downs and saying, Hey, stop the run. Here you go. Or you could go ahead and throw him inside on passing downs and put him next to Christian Barmore and be like, go feast on third downs. Your young pass rushing studs, just raising all kinds of hell on the inside. And I think that's part of what this team is missing right now. You've got Judon who's really good. Barmore. He's good, but you didn't necessarily see the leap because he was hurt last year and obviously went on IR and you didn't see him for for a long stretch of the season but then you talk about getting a guy like Brooks who adds more juice than a Devon Godcha or a Lawrence guy on the interior while also having the base and the strength 
to have an impact against the run. I would, I, I think that's like a killing two birds with one stone kind of pick. As well as, I mean, that's also what I did with the, the next guy that I picked off the edge, Kobe Wooden from Auburn. I got him late. I, he, he's not going to be a sixth round pick, which again, right? You're, you're just going off the simulator. You're doing it for fun and kind of seeing how it all shakes out. I, I would like to think that eventually we're going to get Kobe Wooden going a little bit higher than the sixth round. But you could get it if you could get him on day three. That again, that's also outstanding because he's another one of those guys that can play either one. He was playing, he came in to Auburn as more of a defensive end outside linebacker type, but then they had him playing inside during his last year at Auburn and he was disruptive against the run. I saw him against Alabama make several plays against the run and get interior pressure against that offensive line and get to Bryce Young. And then again, you bring up the the fact that he has played on the outside. I think that I think that's where he fits best at the in the pros. He checks in about 273 pounds. So he would be perfect size if you're talking about an, an edge rusher, an early down guy who can be stout against the run and set the edge, which is, is something you've got to be able to do in this defense. And that's that's part of the reason Josh Uche is more of a situational guy then he is an every down outside linebacker because of the edge setting because he's a little bit more undersized. But again, bringing more pass rushing chops than somebody like a Dietrich Wise maybe or somebody like an Anthony Jennings. The fact that you could get that mixture with Wooden on the outside. And again, you talk about SEC competition. Bill O'Brien will be able to tell you about going up against Kobe Wooden and how they attacked that, the kinds of things that they had to do to scheme for him and be like, yeah, that guy was a problem. He did some stuff to us and and he was a matchup issue wherever we put him. I think we could get this guy. I think that would be a very solid day three pick that again, shores up. You can never have enough good pass rushers. and, And I feel like that goes for inside and outside. I feel like this defense can use more players that are versatile in that way that can do both things. And Kobe Wooden fits that bill. And then one of my my favorite late round picks actually was Ventro Miller from Florida, a linebacker who he, he's he's hurt right now or he's recovering from a Jones fracture that he suffered last year, which he played through. I think he heard it against Tennessee. Actually, he was down. He was it wasn't 100 percent sure that he was going to be able to, to stick it out. He played through that injury. He did not want to come off the field. And when he's healthy, that is not a sixth round pick or seventh round or whenever it was that I got him late in this draft. I think it was a I got him with a comp pick in the sixth round. He is a sideline to sideline missile. He, he could track you down. Anywhere, anytime, he's got the intelligence to shoot the gaps. He brings the absolute lumber when he meets you in the hole. Explosive. I feel like that's the kind of guy that you would look at a, like a Jawan Bentley. He's, he's smaller than Bentley, where he's like, what, six foot, 230 pounds. So he's not necessarily that prototypical Patriots linebacker, but he has every other thing that you could want from a linebacker in the NFL smart, instinctive, intangibles, team captain over at Florida, beloved. I just feel like that guy just makes a lot of sense. 
and he makes sense from from the standpoint of adding more speed athletic ability at the linebacker position, which is something that we felt like they needed last year. And again, the inside linebackers were better than I expected them to be, than a lot of people expected them to be. But again, adding more talent, you kind of wanted that with Cameron McGrone, which you drafted him last year in the fifth round, or rather two years ago in the fifth round when he was coming off an injury. That didn't work out. You didn't have the same explosiveness. But I think Ventrell Miller is that kind of player where he definitely would have been a day two pick if he had been healthy. If it looks like he's going to be healthy, it sounds like he's going to be ready for training camp as opposed to McGrone, who did not suit up for his for his first season. If Miller's healthy, I think that's a pick that you could absolutely take a flyer on later in this draft. I really enjoyed it. Had a great time doing this. I'm going to do the mock draft again at least two more times. Once again, after free agency, and then I will do it again as we get closer to the draft. Probably a little bit, some more silly season. Like, what's the wackest thing the Patriots could do? Just trading down, trading up all over the place, seeing where it takes us. And you could check out the written version of this explainer I just did on weei.com today. I'm Kyrie Thompson. This has been First in Foxborough. Make sure you download, subscribe, stream on the free Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time.